When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. New York City FC dropped their opener at Charlotte, conceding a set-piece goal. It it really happened. And later, in kicking it around, we're going to focus on a young man, a New York City FC family member who's fighting cancer. All on NYC FC Views. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. NYC FC Views. Collins approaches the shot, and New York City wins the first MLS Cup on their first try, and they're going crazy. The sickest New York City FC podcast. It's going to be sick. Welcome back, everybody. That's Roberto Abramowitz. I'm Glenn Crooks. We're back from Charlotte, where New York City dropped their uh, MLS opener 2024 by the score of 1-0. Tenth consecutive opening game on the road. I, that's 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 uh, remarkable to me. You know? It's normal. It's normal. It should, it's the way it has to be if you're starting games in March and now February because there's something called winter and they, they're trying to avoid playing games in extreme cold. So they're going to put a lot of the Eastern Conference dash. on the road. Balderdash. No, it's Balderdash. not. Yes, it it's is. normal first, to protect the I, fans. Before we get into all the oh, fans. Come on. Be, forget that. All right? No. Forget that for a moment. Hold on. I've got a couple of things I want to say before we start. All right. Go. First of all, I found it very ironic. We were all sitting at dinner um, on the road, uh, myself, Maddie Lawrence, Roberto, and Ariel Hudis. And we, uh, we started talking about comedians. And, you know, we were bringing, you brought up Richard Pryor. We talked about Robert Klein. And then we, we didn't talk about this guy, Richard Lewis. But, uh, I, you know, waking up this morning and, and seeing the news about Richard Lewis passing away at the age of 76. I, I think back that he, I mean, I, I, I think of this guy as a, as a genius. I especially remember his Letterman appearances, but I know there was a lot more to him than that, but he was, you know, I watched Letterman. I was a dedicated Letterman guy. And, and when he came on there, man, it was, it was can't miss. You know? Yeah. Always. He's extreme. He was extremely funny. He was still working. He was on um, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, there's a, scene that was i think on last week that they're they're both playing golf and richard lewis is telling um i can't remember his name right now anyway he's telling him that he's putting him in his will and he's giving him his money and he's like i don't want your money and the whole thing and it's just sort of ironic that that will might have been the last uh scene that 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 was taped and then that happens richard lewis is extremely funny self-deprecating just hilarious all the time, and uh, he'll definitely be missed. Hey, I just want to tell one quick Rich. I have a Richard Lewis story. It's very brief, but uh, I was uh, flying somewhere 
one day traveling. And as I get, was getting on the plane, coach, I was, of course, I was going back to coach, but there he was in first class. I went, whoa, that's Richard Lewis, man. So I had a New York Post with me. This is years ago. And on page six, the New York Post like reviewed, I don't know, it was either an appearance or, or a comedy club thing. I, I don't even remember, but it was positive. Because I figured mm -hmm. this guy, you know, I'm sure he's very much like his character. He's just like you you said, self-deprecating. He was always like hard on himself. But this was a positive review. So I walked up. I just walked up to first class and showed him. And he was really appreciative. And I looked. He had a yellow pad, Roberto. And I said, can I just see what you're doing? I, I don't want to look at your jokes. But he was creating for a performance that he was flying to. And it was this yellow pad with scribblings and 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 pages upon pages. And I just thought, wow. You know, this is this is how he gets it done. You know, it's really. Uh, I, I always like seeing how people get their things done, whether it's comedians or whoever it is. Yeah, I mean, I have a huge admiration for for comedians and actors and th people who can read lines and remember lines and and, yeah. and do these things. I mean, I you you see some of these monologues and you know guys who do or women who do you know one person shows on Broadway and stuff and you just like how do you remember all of this it is just mind-boggling and then not only remembering it obviously acting it out and acting it out properly the talent level is something that i will not even my wildest dreams achieve and so i have great admiration for for people who can who can absolutely do that i mean i would need a teleprompter for everything there's just no way you ever uh, any of that have you watched a bear yet have you watched The no. Bear? Oh, you have to, Roberto. I'm, I'm recommending it to you. You don't have okay. to. I'm recommending it to you. But uh, for those who have watched it, it, it is really, a, it's just an incredibly acted series. And now everybody's waiting for the next, uh, the next season of this. And I'm not going to go into what it's about, but the music on it, that's the reason I want you to watch it, Roberto, is because you will dig the music. I mean, from R.E.M. to burn to i mean it was all over the place but i remember at the end of every show uh there's this great music all the time and i said to my wife and then my kids we have, we've all watched it and my i said god i wish i knew what all this music was and my son goes it's it's they've recorded like season one and season two of all the music so i was listening to that just this morning for the first time Part of, cool. uh, part of my being in a good mood. The other part is because the last two minutes of my shower this morning, I turned on the cold water. Oh, and you're doing story, this. Okay. The other, story I wanna, the other story I want to tell of the four of us sitting at dinner in Charlotte was I, I, had, uh, I had read this article in Sports Illustrated, cold immersion, which athletes have been doing this for years, icing down after games and things like that. Uh, but it also talked about the uh, normal individuals or those that are not professional athletes or athletes at all and how the uh, the cold plunge, as they called it, uh, although you can kind of fake it with a cold shower, uh, uh, adds to the uh, adds to your mood because it's uh, dopamine. It's it's science. It's it mm -hmm. affects the brain in a very positive way. So. Here's my my what I would say here, because I, I had mentioned it to my daughter. She goes, oh, I do cold plunges. I said something to my wife and she said, oh, I've been doing this cold shower for a couple of months. I'm like, why didn't anybody tell me? And um, but I presented it to my uh, our, our broadcast quartet, myself and three others. And uh, I would have to say it was dismissed rather handily. 
by everyone at the table. But I want to tell no, you, no, Roberto, no, no, not dismiss. Okay, you led not the way dismiss. in the dismissal. Yeah, so, hold on. No, it's let me just finish. something that I wouldn't let do. Let me finish. Let me finish. Maddie Lawrence, my partner, texted me a couple of days later. He felt that maybe we weren't very that the people at the table were not very supportive of this because I was presenting it as a health benefit. And so Maddie Lawrence, as of two days ago, is doing this. And he said it's incredible how much better he feels when he gets out of that uh, shower or cold plunge and then goes on with the rest of his day. So there. Okay, good. I, I, I was just saying that we weren't dismissing it for you and the effects and the positive effects that it's having on you. We could just see, you know, your wonderful personality right now and your positivity just shining through here. So uh, I'm not dismissing it for you. I was just saying that it's probably something that I wouldn't do. Maybe at a later date, I'll uh, I'll change my mind and uh, I, right. may, I may I may try I, this. Now, let me just say one other thing, okay? I'm a little more accepting of it. That's good. Okay, well that's good. We've gone eight minutes and thirty five seconds of a New York City so football it's soccer it's show, and we haven't talked about the if TV we don't yet, talk, which we don't talk six, if we don't talk about the game. About, it's our <laughs> podcast. If we don't talk about anything, New York City. Who cares? It's our podcast. Well, it is New York City views, right? NYCFC views, but yeah. It's our it just podcast. talks volumes about what we thought of the game. It is not New York City <laughs> FC's podcast. But we know, uh, we know. Uh, we yeah, know they don't know what it. We know very important people within the club uh, will uh, watch and listen to us each week and uh, getting an, uh, trying to get an idea of what we might say about certain things. I'm not sure... <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna and I'm gonna start with corner kick Did you goals. Get spanked again? I'm gonna talk about corner kick goals concede. Here's <laughs> here's a couple of things for you, uh, Roberto. Go Charlotte on. was dead last in MLS with three set piece goals in 2023. Now, guaranteed, you can work on it, bring in different players, you can be better at it. But they were dead last in MLS in set piece goals in 23. New York City was near the bottom of MLS having conceded 11 set-piece goals, and we know that they were diligently on this in preseason. So here's how Charlotte won the game. Let's run this. Here's the corner taken by Vargas from post. Here's the header and the follow, and off a set-piece, New York City trails 1-0. Free header on the first post, off the bar, rebound goal. And inside of eight minutes, New York City trails set-piece defending. Nick Cushing, both hands in his stadium jacket pockets, just looking out onto the pitch. Santi Rodriguez animated as he comes directly to the sideline to talk to Medi Belushi. Absolutely perplexed is Santi Rodriguez. The fireworks go off and uh, in more ways than one. The goal for Charlotte, they've had the advantage from the start. And uh, then a little smoke and flame and fire for the fireworks after the goal. Yep. So what do you think, Roberto? I mean, the one thing that was emphasized, right, is set-piece defending, set-pieces, you know, offensively, and two things that failed for, for New York City. Uh, it was an interesting goal. You know, some people were saying, well, if you had somebody on, on the first post, on the near post, uh, maybe that doesn't happen. Well, the way, where that ball was placed, that it went off the crossbar, and Matt Freeze was there, I, I, that wouldn't have mattered. Uh, what did matter was 
uh, Tavares getting away from the defense. Keaton Parks was the one closest to him. And it wasn't, you know, a height thing because Tavares actually winds up ducking to make that, to, to be able to head the ball. And then uh, Malanda comes in, opportunist, and uh, and puts it in. Yeah, they, they've got to figure this out. I mean, they, they it can't be. I don't know what else to say. Um, I'm not a set-piece expert. I can't tell you if you had done this or you did that, it would have fixed it. All I know is that there are guys there who are supposed to be able to do this, and they've got to. They've got to figure this out as a team. And I'm not blaming one particular person well, or coach or anything neither, else. I'm just yeah. saying is that it, as a team, they've got to figure this out because this can't continue throughout the season. It's a one-off. I'm not going to go crazy on it. But if this continues the pattern of last year, then it's going to be a huge problem. Well, let's uh, listen to Dick Cushing on it. And he tended not to blame any one individual. I will say my uh, broadcast partner, Matty Lawrence, suggested, because you said no one was in that near post area or only Keaton Parks. Actually, Kevin O'Toole was right there. And for whatever reason, he just faded up upfield a little bit uh, during the course of this. But uh, uh, I asked uh, Nick Cushing, this is part of my pregame show coming up on the New York City FC Network uh, ahead of the St. Louis match. Almost conceded last year. And if you take away half of those set-piece goals, I mean, you're you're sitting in a favorable uh, concession stance in all of MLS. So uh, the question is, what happened? It looked a little disorganized, maybe, that the uh, player got free for the header at the front post. Yeah, we just opened the space, I think. Um, we've reviewed it, and I think we just opened up. Uh, we don't want to open the, the front post space that much, and we just opened it. Uh, we got caught with a run, and it's far too easy. It's something that I'm I'm really disappointed with because I think we played well in the game, well enough to get something out of the game. We dominate the game in the sense of the intensity and the and and having the ball. It's disappointing because of the way we started last year. It, it, it you know it, it shines a light on it, but I think it's um, you know set pieces are an important part of the game, and we're on the wrong end of that at the moment. So we have got to make sure we fix it. and We fix it quick because the good part is we probably didn't fix it quick enough last year, and last year has given us you know we, we've done a lot of work on it this week. We've had a lot of focus on it. It's, it's an area that we have to get control of. I thought the oddity was normally you have the front post covered defensively zonally. I, I, I just can recall it was Castellanos and Parks or Sands. And I know Sands cleared one, maybe the next corner he, he was in that position. So was that, is that where it broke down? Yeah, I think, I think we've had two or three different people do that role. And I think you can see in the, in the second corner, James heads it away. I think, it's it's not just one person. You've got to not open the space, but you've also got to block the runs. You've also got to go and compete and win the header. So whether it's you know one of the four guys that's at the front, it's not about the blame game. It's more about how we make sure that you know. I think last year we were disappointed in the amount of corners we were giving away because against teams like Nashville when we conceded in the first game of the season and Chicago when we conceded from the wide free kick. You know they've got players that are really strong this year. You know, we didn't give so much away, but we still conceded from the one, you know, of the two that we conceded. It just seems to be, you know, an area that we just have to keep plugging away at. We know with this new team that you know we've added new bodies, we've shifted around the organization and the setup, and you know we're going to have to still plug away and just keep focusing on it and working hard at it. There's only one new player in the starting eleven, Hannes Wolf. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what his role on that corner kick defending was. And I think the key to that entire minute and a half clip, you have to compete to win the header. Mm -hmm. 
And I wonder, you know, you compare uh, the New York City players in those situations to maybe some other teams where I, I, you know, this this is the, you know, I think modern day coaching, you know, getting angry and screaming and yelling uh, again, with the modern day athlete, it, it generally is not going to work. But this is one of those where I would start throwing whiteboards and ro- water coolers around. And I know you said it's a one off, not to me. It's not a one-off to me. And by the way, do you think in preseason, if Santi Rodriguez had maybe scored a few more goals and maybe there was a win or two in there, that that one from the penalty spot, he might have slotted home because he was, you know, comfortable finishing, uh, which I think he had one goal in, in preseason. I, that's a whole nother matter. But you know, these things all, th- this all matters. So preseason does matter. I know it matters from a developmental standpoint, building the team, trying to get them to play the way you want to play. But th- this is, these are examples of where I think results matter, no matter when you play. And I'll, I'll continue to disagree, but we won't go back to that point. No. Uh, what I will go back to, what I will go back to, do you remember what was the first goal that was conceded by New York City in preseason? Yeah, with Bakrar on the front post. Uh, on a set piece. Yeah, and that's sort corner, of like the set kick. the alarm. And from by the way, what side? The right side, yeah. same area. So yeah, they've got to work on that, and they got to fi- they've got to be able to figure that out, and how they're going to be able to defend that better going going forward. So uh, that that is an area still of concern. We had hoped that that it wouldn't be an area of concern for New York City, but look, it was scored in the eighth minute, right? So you had, according to my calculations. 82 minutes to be able to make up for it. And uh, although New York City, you had the possession and all of that. We've talked about this a long time, and I've told you the importance of possession, at least in my my point of view. And um, it isn't the fact that you have the ball. It's what you do with it. But listen, Roberto, I want you to I want you to finish that because you're you're you know, there's a there's much validity to what you're saying there because look, New York City had 77.4% of the possession in the final 15 minutes of the first half. They had 73.9% possession over the final quarter hour of the match. They had 62% possession for the game and lost 1-0. Yeah. So you're right. It's what you do with the possession. And I, I and they knew New York City knew Nick Cushing said it in, in my pregame. Uh, that uh, that Dean Smith, you know, they're going to if they get the early lead, they're going to just tumble numbers behind the ball and get a counterattack here and there, and that's exactly what they did. And and they and they actually clogged the middle of the field. They allowed New York City to push the ball out wide, which we noticed, and then we also mm-hmm. noticed that the service from both Kevin O'Toole and Nietzsche Ilinich was uh, you'd have to say poor, uh, inconsistent at best. Oh, yes. I mean, you're being nice with it. Um, it was. I mean, how many header attempts did Bakrar get? Or did anybody else going into the box get that were good, clean attempts that you were like, wow, that was close? I don't remember any. But you know Look, what? We're... Two, I, I, you know? I, these are the plays that I remember, okay? Here, right. are the, here are the opportunities that I remember. The, the biggest one is Santi Rodriguez from the penalty spot, right? The ball comes back to him. He's alone, nothing. He leans back, and he tries to put so much power into it 
that it would have been a great field goal. The Panthers were might be interested in scouting him. So that, that that's one. The next one that comes up for me as far as a great opportunity was at the end of the game where they put it on a platter, although he's a little bit covered, but he had room for O'Toole to fire one time with his right foot. And he decides that he doesn't trust his foot and he needs to put it on his left. And by that point, he gets he gets closed down and he's got to pass the ball back. Doesn't even get shot off. And he's got to pass the ball back. And then Tyler Magno had two opportunities on the left side. And one of them was, uh, was stopped by a defender and the ball just like bounced up in the air. And it was an easy save by Kalina. So those are the major opportunities. So when you're talking about crossing one the more. ball and being – Huh? One more. Okay, go. The, the Santi Rodriguez uh, through ball to Hannes Wolf, who broke in on goal, and then a tremendous tackle from Rivet uh, from behind got got the ball. There was some claims of a penalty in the first half, but that was okay. a, that was a beautiful that was a beautiful release by Rodriguez to Wolf and and uh, and a great tackle. Yes, thank you. I now remember that one. That's that was great too. Okay, but you you look at all this and. They've got to find a different way, and maybe the different ways with different players. So now you have depth because Julian Fernandez didn't contribute much in this game. Santi Rodriguez, who's supposed to be your left wing, is really cutting inside, which left O'Toole to go forward and O'Toole to be able to provide the service, and that wasn't great either. So now what you're going to wind up doing is do you put in a true winger? If you do that, do you put Santi back at the 10 and you put Wolf? You put Wolf back on the bench, or not back on the bench, but you put Wolf on the bench. No chance. I mean, so Hannes Wolf is starting the game. Okay, so the, don't talk about Hannes Wolf not being. Uh, I, I presume he would. I'm just saying here are the possibilities. If you wanted, because you're not going to keep Santi out wide, just wide, wide left, because you need Santi to be floating around. That's what he does. He finds the spaces, he finds the ball, and he starts the attacks. But all the both the wingers on either side with the possible exception of Fernandez, they're, they're all inverted. Here's what I think you're going to see. You want to hear what I think you're going to see? Okay. And I have no – Nick has not told us anything about the lineup. So uh, this is a completely a conjecture, educated guess, you might say. I think the biggest question is, does he take Jovan Mihadovic uh, and play Mihadovic at the start of the game – which would put Hannes Wolf on his right and would put Santi Rodriguez on his left and team uh, uh, Miatovic with uh, Montsef Bakrar. Because we saw that. I, was, uh, I wasn't surprised or shocked, but to see the, the two strikers working together, when, when, when Miatovic was going in, I thought he was going in for Bakrar, the, the substitution. So did I. So did I. You know? And no, but he came on and, you know, here we see the two strikers playing together right off the bat in game one. So uh, I think I think everyone uh, on the uh, sporting side would like to see that uh, soon uh, a little bit more frequently. So they, well, the funny it... part, the funny part about that is that throughout the preseason, the chances that we got to speak with Nick, it was sort of like he dismissed that that actually really happening. It wasn't really part of his scheme, but then it wound up happening. In game one, and really? I think that he likes the possibilities. But here's the thing that happened also within the game, because, and this is something that Miatovic is going to have to learn, and that is he's got to be a little bit more aggressive. He's got to, 
he's got to find the game a little bit more inside because you, if you're going to have background on top and then him behind him, then, you know, he's got to be a lot more centered. And he wasn't as centered. He wasn't in that position as much as he was either way behind or floating to the right wing. There were a lot. I mean, you didn't see him as a second striker for most of the time that he was on the field. And well, it was a little bit of um, because I asked Nick about it in the press conference. And uh, if I remember correctly, he, he said that he's got to sort of find his game and be a little bit more aggressive, you know, and uh, more sure of himself. It's just his first game and he hasn't gotten a lot of, um, you know, a, a lot of practice time either. So they've got to be able to work him in and, you know, have him play the way they want him to play. Because he's strong, he's big, he's fast, he's quick. There's a lot of positives. He's got to be there. You know, he's got to be in the box to be able to take advantage of those features that he has. Look at look at that face that we saw him on the road, Roberto. I don't know about you, but when I look at him and he's and he's not when he's smiling, you know, it's different. But when he's just got that face on, he he looks like that guy in high school that you would used to avoid. You know, you didn't want to walk past him in the hallway. I, this guy is he is. Uh, Regarded as a bulldog in the area, uh, I think we're going to see. And of course, he uh, we talked about it last week. He came out with the uh, the very precocious eighteen year old comment that uh, be ready to start cheering because I'm going to score a lot of goals. Uh, didn't after coming into the sixty second minute, uh, as Nick Cushing said after the game, he said, "Why wouldn't I use him? We we bought this guy to come in and score goals, so I'm gonna. We needed a goal, so I brought him in because there was some surprise maybe that he he brought him in so early in a in a critical situation. And then so that's an 18 year old that played. There was a 15 year old, uh, rather 16 year old. He had just turned 16 that uh, played in the game too. Nemfisha uh, Berkimus, who uh, you'll see him here with James Sands. And you talked about Magno, that one shot that was kind of deflected and, and just bounded high in the air and was caught. It wasn't mm -hmm. a defender. It wasn't a defender. It was this kid coming out of the midfield backtracking that got, into uh, uh, Magno as he was looking to cut it against the grain and get the right-footed shot off. This is the kid. He ran about 40 yards to, to defend that. So that's the kind of action uh, that, that he brings to the table. And as far as James Sands is concerned, not on the U.S. men's national team preliminary roster for the CONCACAF Nations League. So he's not playing, you know, in March when they play this game against Jamaica, although Tavon Gray may very well be because he is on the yes. roster for Jamaica. Oh, he is, and he was starting regularly. Um, so I, I want to go back to uh, Miatovic for a second, okay? So he played 28 minutes, right? And the 28 minutes, he had eight touches, one of them in the opposition box where he was dispossessed. So um, that's he's got to be more involved. Then it's just game one and he's 18. There's a lot of things going on there. So I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm just stating what, what happened and what he's got to do. And that is be more aggressive and assertive, which seems to be his personality. But now that he's on, now that he's on the field and they're giving him a chance to do this, he's got to assert that now. I, you know, where he's, he's that, that's I, his opportunity. I have this feeling I'm I'm much less concerned about him being aggressive and getting into the game and getting into the play after the, you know making his debut and maybe getting his uh, you know feet wet a little bit there than I am about this set piece defending. I mean that's the thing that I, and I and I'm going to go back compete and win the header. 
If if I were able to walk into that locker room and start shouting, that's what I would say. Compete and win the header. You right. gave up too many of these set-piece goals last year. You lost opener this year because of it. Compete and win the header at all costs. Are you willing to do that? And that's what I'm going right. to say. Okay, well, here's something else that we got to talk about. Now, you talked about defensive set pieces. Now, let's talk about offensive set pieces, okay? So, in direct kicks, okay, direct kicks, I did a little research. Didn't take a lot, mind you, but I did a little research, and uh, I believe I shared it. So, it is now, including last game, 74 MLS regular season games, not counting playoffs, not counting Leeds Cup, not counting Campeones Cup, not just MLS regular season, 73 games since the last free kick goal, which is Goody Torrenson in Atlanta. Okay. New York City, despite having October, David Villa. October 16th, 2021. Yeah. Exact. So New York City, having David Villa, having um, Pirlo and all the other, you know, players that had, you know, decent – chances to score free kicks. I mean, Pirlo was a master at it in his prime. He only scored one with New York City. Villa has three, and he's a leading all-time scorer as far as free kicks are concerned with three. New York City has 11 goals in nine-plus seasons on direct free kicks. That's it. That's it. you got to fix it. And it looks like for the second straight year, Santi Rodriguez is uh, number one in the free ki- direct free kick in goal scoring territory taker. And he hit the middle of the wall. And I think we've yeah. been you know, on his one attempt. And, you know, our, our guest uh, coming up a, in, in a little bit in, in kicking it around is uh, is a very good free kick artist. And we're going to talk to him uh, a, a little bit about that. But this is, a, I think it's a, you know, it's a, to me, it's a, it's a chief concern. Like yes. nobody scores, nobody scores a million of these. Let's face it. But, and some are better than others, you know, Zellerayon, you know, there's not many Zellerayons that have passed through MLS. They're just not. That messy guy can, can hit one too. Yeah, well, okay. Leave him out of this. <laughs> He's in the league. I can't. All right. And He's Almada, Almada, you know, we know that oh. he can take a good one, but, um, it's uh, I, I think uh, the days of Sandy Rodriguez taking the direct free kicks in the goal scoring territory. Uh, is there any? Can Hannes Wolf take it? I don't know. Yeah, I, I there's got to gotta be a challenge. So somebody's got a challenge for that position. And yeah, there was and a. It, didn't Kufre take a few last year as well? So Kufre took some. Well, um, you, you have to have there were a couple of times. You have to have somebody in the preferred left-footed side. To take it, I, I thought it was interesting when I was uh, talking to Frank Klopas, the Chicago Fire coach. That now they've got a different dilemma. They have two very good set piece artists. One is uh, uh, Shakiri, DP, and then they just brought in Kellen Acosta. So I, I, I asked Klopas, well, "Who's taking a free kick, and how are they deciding that?" He goes, "Well, it depends on where the ball is." But I said, "Come on, give me some more." Shakiri's giving up free kicks. Come on, man. But um, so that's going to be interesting to watch. But who who on the left side? Julian Fernandez has taken corners from, from that yes. side for in-swingers. But I don't know if we've seen him on a free kick. I, maybe we have. I, I don't have that in front of me. But And, um, and they're going to have to also get better service as far as uh, corner kicks are concerned. So, 
you know, we'll, we'll see if uh, there are any changes there. I'm very interested to see the lineup and the tactics that Nick comes out with against St. Louis. Now, St. Louis played during the week, and they played in Houston, and they lost one nothing, and that means that they're out of the uh, CONCACAF Champions Cup. They had taken a 2-1 lead at home and then went to Houston and played really poorly in Houston. There was nothing about that game from St. Louis that made you think, oh, my God. You know, watch out. You know, it wasn't like, oh, they had so much bad luck or, you know, n n none of it. They were just outplayed. It was just simply outplayed. And uh, I know that they didn't put their full starting 11 at the beginning, but by the end of the game, you know, with enough time to go, they, they, they had most of their top players, but they still didn't create much danger. And um, it's going to be a very interesting game come Saturday at 8.30 New York time. Bradley Carnell is their head coach. Uh, I, I I pulled a couple of quotes after that uh, CCC game and lost. Uh, he said, I feel sorry for the guys, the effort that they put in, but these are new situations for us. And these are new situations for me as a coach as well. We're always learning. I, th I found that pretty interesting that Maybe he would have handled it a little differently, but he was talking. And then his next comment was about, you know, all these games in quick succession. And he said, everyone's running on fumes at the moment. Yeah. I mean, we're only, we're just getting started here. But we saw that, right? I mean, we, we saw that firsthand with New York City when they were in the, uh, in the Champions League and how that wound up affecting them. And they had a poor start in MLS. We saw what happened to Seattle the year that they won the, the Champions League when they beat Pumas in the final. It's been the only season that they haven't made the playoffs. So it absolutely affects the teams because rosters aren't big enough or don't have enough quality. This is one of the places where the salary cap absolutely hurts MLS teams. So uh, And so far, MLS has not really wanted to address it. Well, they just and, had a... The, the committee yeah. just met the other day. I mean, that was news on Tuesday, I think. this uh, It's a – I don't remember the name of the committee. It's a it's a budget committee of some sort. Uh, uh, Ferran, who is uh, – Soriano. Yeah. Soriano from uh, CFG and New York City FC. I know he was on it. I don't know if he presently is on it. And that's according to The Athletic. Um they they wrote a report uh, a while back and said that Ferran was on the on this committee that decides on these kind of budget issues, you know, or makes mm -hmm. recommendations. I don't know how it all. I have to be honest. I don't know how it all works, but I know Roberto uh, that they actually have brought it up again um, and and are discussing it seriously. And there may be news uh, from what I've heard from a couple of other uh, writers. There may be news you know, by the summer that something will change, which well, maybe before the, so. before the transfer window, that would be good, right? Well, if, if it changes for this season as opposed to changing for next year, yeah, well, that would be great. Um, so, yeah. But the other thing is that we know that there are two factions of owners. We have a lot of owners that want to keep the salary cap exactly where it is, and uh, they don't want to spend a hell of a lot of money. And then there are other owners that really want to lift it and want to become teams that can compete not only with an MLS and win with an MLS, but beat every Mexican team. And, you know, if let's say in the future they start playing Copa Libertadores, they go and they can beat those teams as well. And then also, you know, if whoever qualifies for the new Club World Cup, that they do well. You know, Seattle went there and lost in their first game, won nothing, and they were eliminated. 
So you want to be able to go and compete not only in this level, but there's international competition as well. And you want to be able to show well in those games. Roberto, one more thing. I was going to save it until uh, the home opener against Portland when we did our preview of that. But uh, there was a story that I think we should share. Uh, the Portland Timbers have terminated their sponsorship deal with Debella Exteriors after the companies, and I'm reading this right from Ryan Clark's article in The Oregonian, uh, when uh, Donnie McMillan Jr., the CEO, was accused by a former executive of sexually harassing and making unwanted advances toward at least three female employees. The Oregonian reported it, uh, and 24 minutes later, the Timbers dropped it. The Timbers say they learned of the allegations Tuesday when uh, the Oregonian was uh, reporting the story and had contacted the team for comment. Now, how about that? So it's just this crazy world we live in, these privileged individuals who feel like they can get away with anything. And so when Portland comes to Yankee Stadium uh, on uh, March the 9th, very likely there'll be nothing on the front of their jersey. No sponsor anymore. Crazy, wow. huh? So that, that was their new, that, that was their, their front shirt sponsor for this year? Supposedly. Because sometimes they have a sleeve sponsor as well. Yeah, I heard it was front shirt. And because they used how? to be Providence. Wasn't it Providence? Aside from Providence Park, you know, being named. Or, I, I forget. We'd have to see who it, who it is. I'd have to look at a picture right now. Because I didn't um, see Portland play this weekend. So The... Well, you should. You got to watch that man, Anthony. Their their left wing man, the Brazilian. He is something. Uh, and uh, but Portland, you just think about the things that they've gone through. Um, and you know, Gavin I think that's a direct response. That's why it happened that quickly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, they they have had uh, some on the women's and the men's side, and and how things are handled. Um, uh, Thus, Gavin Wilkinson lost his job because of it. So uh, it's a long time for that to happen. Yeah. They used to have Alaska Airlines on the front of their shirt. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. Right. All right. I hey. I haven't seen the 2024 one yet. It's time. I'm seeing these notes that our guest, maybe uh, we may not be able to see him because his camera's not working. I'm not sure, but let's give it a shot anyway. Let's go kicking it around. No, you've disappeared. <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, this, this became a better show, just like I that." Kicked, I kicked <laughs> my light, I kicked my light off, and then, uh, yeah, but we're we're okay now. Um, wow. Okay, I need to say something. Give me a second. It Debella is was on the front of their shirt. I just looked it up. Okay. And the Got shirts it. are gorgeous, by the way. Well, we'll uh, we'll get a close up look at the blank. Uh, well, maybe they'll have another sponsor by then. They'll they'll paint it on that quickly. All right, let's uh, let's move on to a really you know. We, Roberto, at the beginning, we're talking about set pieces, and we get all upset. We complain a little bit about this and this. And I'll tell you, when you hear stories like this, you know, the, that's when you you really um, you want gratification is the first thing I think of, and 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 we complain too much about things that you know. Often we can't control, but we shouldn't be complaining uh, anyway. But John Dennis, uh, an original member of uh, New York City FC2, played his first two seasons at MLS Next Pro, four years out of Columbia University, 19 goals in 64 games for Columbia, 
Then he went on and played PDL with Red Bulls, U23s. Then Nisa with the Cosmos before he came into NYC FC2. First year, he had 14 goals, three assists, five goals, six assists last year. And we talked about, uh, kind of teased, he is a free kick specialist, valued member of the squad at 26 years old. Uh, and he recently had his birthday. And right, right around then is when uh, he found out and was diagnosed with a form of cancer that uh, we'll get him to specify uh, to the lymphatic system. And while he had not resigned with New York City 2, uh, there were, were still some things w- in the works. And, uh, but he will, no matter whether he comes back to New York City FC2 or not, uh, he's a member of the New York City family. And his teammates did this before the opening day match at Charlotte. You know how they, that, how they stand for the picture. And there's John Dennis' uniform, uh, a tribute to John Dennis, who is, uh, well, battling cancer. And he joins us now on NYCFC Views. Let's get a look at him. There he is, Johnny. How are What's you? What's happening? All good. All good. Can't complain. How about you guys? Well, if you can't complain, then none of us can. That's what <laughs> I'm going to say right off the bat. Absolutely. Uh, John, give us, please maybe tell the story a little bit about how you found out, you know, why, why was, were you, were you feeling something, but, uh, and then more importantly, specifically what you have and what you're going through right now. Yeah. Um, so I kind of found out that I had cancer out of luck. Um, I was training in the off season and after every workout, I'd be a little more fatigued than usual. And later in the day, I would experience like a, like a blurriness in my vision and a migraine. So I went to the ER and I was like, this is not normal. And they did a head scan of my brain and they told me they had, I had this condition called AVN which is when your brain artery and your veins um, like are intertwined and you need surgery for it. So it's really bad as well. Um, they transferred me to another hospital. And then at that hospital, they, they did another scan and they said everything was fine. So this is like after three days of testing and stuff, um, they come back to me and they said the head scan of your he- uh, brain, um, we could see from the top that there's like this little tissue, lymph node. We don't know what it is, but like, it's up to you if you want to like get it checked out. So like my family was like kind of iffy. They wanted to focus more on the brain uh, or like my head, why the migraines are happening. And I was like, you know what, what's the worst, can ha- what's the worst thing that can happen? Like, let's check it out. So I get the chest results back and I'm like, I'm with my family excited to leave the hospital. I was going to go to preseason stuff. And, uh, the doctor walks in and she has this like face of like, like kind of sad, like scared. I was like, Oh God, what's happening. And she comes back to me and she said that they found like a tumor in the middle of my chest. It's like a second heart, almost the size of a second heart. Um, and yeah, I was going to have to speak to oncology. So like, it was just out of luck that I found it. Thank God. Uh, if I didn't do that test, who knows how big it would have, how, how much it would have grown and stuff. So I'm thankful for that. Oh, so what are you going through in terms of uh, the recovery or the remission, you know, the different things you're trying to do, yeah. uh, you know, on a daily basis or if it, is it weekly? What, what's going on? Yeah. So the chemotherapy, I have to do chemotherapy. Uh, I do it basically for a week and then I have three weeks off and those three weeks are testing, blood work. Um, but the chemo is kind of like, it, I never knew I could, it, it would have worked like this. It basically is, 
they give you like a little bag. They connect it to my pick line, which is like an IV. And I just go about my day um, with chemo just being um, put in me for like two days straight. Then wow. I have the refilled um, for another two days. And then Sunday, which is like the fifth day, I have it finished at the hospital. Um, and then three weeks of uh, just recovery. And then I do that. So ideally, if everything goes according to plan, I'll I'll be done in five months. Hope God hoping. Are you going to have to go through an operation to have the tumor removed? Are you trying to shrink the tumor now for it to be easier to be removed? Is that the situation? So lymphoma is one of like the better cancers that the chemotherapy really uh, kind of like destroys it, destroys the tumor and like your body screets it. So that's a, that's a plus. Uh, I'd rather not get surgery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I get that. What? So, um, so the prognos prognosis is favorable uh, as long as you do the treatments effectively. You're young. You're in shape. I mean, that's got to help a little bit, right? Yeah. No, I mean, the cancer got me at a good time, I would say, <laughs> at a point where I'm strong and stuff. So the doctors have told me it's treatable, um, that if I follow the treatment plan, that I should be fine. It's one of the favorable cancers, I, I would say, that's the cure rate is very high so yeah 95 percent, 93 yeah. to 95 percent exactly which is excellent i mean it, yeah. you, you can't get much better than that i was very happy to hear at least that yes <laughs> well what about what 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 about the intertwining thing going on in your brain what, what's the status yeah. of that yeah that, that turned out to be fine they just said it was like a dilated vein so that it, it's not nothing severe where it would give you oh. symptoms so like it was just a scare basically uh that turned out to be fine, thank God. Yeah. So hence all the smiles with everything that you're going through, the fact that you know that you're in a good place, that the survival rate is very, very high, and so your prognosis must be must be very good according to the doctors, I, I would presume. Yeah, no, yeah, totally. I mean, life throws twists and turns all the time, and you got to just do your best to uh, just take it as another obstacle they have to overcome. Uh, I've seen people at where I go to an MSK with way worse symptoms and like, and you just realize like health is the most important thing and like a support system behind you, is, it means a lot. As somebody who just survived a heart attack and a quadruple bypass, I, I get what you're saying. I've Let left. me just follow one thing up, Glenn. I just wanna say this. So when you, now that you're, hopefully when you're recovered, have, have the doctor said anything about you're going to be fine health-wise? Are you going to be able to resume your professional soccer career? Yeah, no, no. Everything, if it goes according to plan, I don't want to like speak about the future. I just want to take it day by day. But um, if that day comes, which I hope, um, yeah, I think, I think it should, I think everything should be back to normal. What did it mean to you to see the, uh, the team hold up your jersey? Oh, it was such a beautiful surprise. I, it, meant, it meant so much. I started to tear up a little. But, yeah, I didn't expect that. Uh, and to see it randomly, I was like, oh, my God, that was that was great. <laughs> and, and we know you're not under contract with the club at the moment. So, uh, and the insurance is a little tricky. And I want to put up the GoFundMe page because, you know, I, and I, I, you know, I am very comfortable putting this up in support of John and his family and uh, you've had a goal, and it's it's listed right there of one hundred twenty five thousand dollars. And uh, boy, you're like three quarters of the way there. So, 
congratulations on that. But um, for anyone listening or watching that that has the means to help out, and uh, I remember uh, a radio host many many years ago who uh, during fundraising would say, "Look, you know, some of you can contribute more than others. We know that, but imagine if everybody just put five bucks in." You know, and so uh, I think whatever you could possibly handle to help John and his uh, family, that would be a, a wonderful gesture on your part. But let's talk about the soccer a little bit. I mentioned you're a free kick specialist, and I, I want to discuss that a little bit because you may or may not have heard us lamenting and Roberto's statistics about the last time a direct free kick goal was scored by the senior team, but the two team. They've had several, and you're one of the guys that scores pretty frequently from dead ball situations. But tell us how, uh, from a training aspect or technique, how do you get that done? How, what is your, uh, what, are, what are some, maybe, maybe you shed some secrets uh, here. <laughs> no, it's a lot of practice, for one. Um, you got to just take the time, and it's like a, it's, it's a practicing your craft like anything. Um, and then... I don't know. Some tips I like the things I do is just, I don't know. I think it's like a 50 it's you between the keeper. Um, and I try to put it in a spot where I think the keeper is not going to even try to move for the ball. Um, so I think if I do that and then you just slow down, you do what comes naturally to you. Like you, if you put enough work in, you just like, you're in like that flow. Um, hopefully the ball goes in or it's a good, uh, it's a good, uh, effort. So but yeah, it's that's not just it's not just the keeper. You got to get it up over the wall, yeah. under the bar, and past the keeper. Sure. So this is it. There, there are a lot of different parts to that. Yeah, uh, that's also. I don't want to like uh, spill all my secrets, but like a lot of times, depending, like the league is so like physically gifted. Like everyone's super tall. They jump seven feet in the air. Like sometimes the easiest thing is just putting past the keeper. Also, the keeper's nerves. Or like I have to get the save, I have to get the save. They cheat most of the time, and then they're leaving that big space where they don't have enough time to uh, recover. So I, a lot of my goals come from their side um, and their eagerness to try to make that save. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I have a couple of questions for you on this. So, is there a specific place on the field near the box where you prefer to get? Like this is the ideal place for you. Uh, mm -hmm. And also, are you right-footed or left-footed? To because that makes All a right. difference. I'm right footed. Okay. okay. So where do you say, oh, this is my spot? What's the ideal spot for you? I have two spots that I really like. Um, so if you look at the half moon on the 18, yeah. I like it on the right side. Um, I don't know why. It's not, I don't think it's really natural for a ready to want it on that side, but I like to, yep. I, I, I don't know. It's just like I'm very comfortable with it. I think where I used to practice in my house, I used to hit it always from that spot. And, um, yeah, I think that's my number one. Or on the other side, similar to, like, that angle. Um, I think you have a very good uh, – you have both sides. And the keeper is, like, in no man's land almost. So it's very difficult for them. So when you're kicking from the right side of the half moon, right, being a right-footed player, that's normally a left-footed yeah. pl placement. So do you try to go around the wall to the near post? Or do you try to go over the wall? I mean that's very dependent on the keeper's positioning for me. Um, I always re I always go according to where I think the keeper's standing. If I think 
he's going to move, I'll hit it towards his post. But if I see him well-placed, um, like hugging his, hugging his post, I'm going to hit it around the wall. And both shots are relatively uh, doable, um, in my opinion. Have of you ever – have you just ever – Give me one more. Let me Go just ahead. do one more, one more. Okay. Is there one place where it's the most difficult, like if it's too close to the box – is there an area that you go, oh, God, I wish I didn't have to have a free kick here because it makes it so much harder? Uh, yeah, that, that's a good point. I feel like the ones that are closest to the box, you kind of have the pressure that this should be a good effort. This should go in, you know. But, like, like from a player's perspective or anyone who knows really the game, hitting it over the wall is almost almost impossible. Like, it's, it's got to be a great effort. You can maybe try to hit it under. So, like, it's going to go keeper's post more than likely, if you want it to have at least a good chance. And then the, the keepers know that as well. So it's got to be perfect. Um, and then also like the semi-far ones can go either way. Like sometimes you're trying to put so much power on it, you miss hit it and it bounces to the keeper's hand. So it looks embarrassing. But yeah, I feel like those two in-betweens are the tough ones. How many of those 19 goals that you scored the first two years for NYCFC 2 were free kicks? Oof. I don't know. I think like half a dozen, right? Half a dozen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that'd be yeah, it's up there. <laughs> and you, you kind of set it up. Have you ever scored a goal goal by shooting it under the wall? No, never, 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 never. I think my my parents would kill. My dad is really on me with the free kicks. He expects <laughs> it to be a good effort. So if I'm ever to try to hit her under the wall and the wall doesn't jump, I'll look I'll look foolish. So I, I don't want to risk it. <laughs> Also, so, they lay somebody behind the wall now for yeah. not every time, but more than free kicks. Not everybody. Usually, yeah, yeah. So it's not even I think that's a crazy. That's a crazy tactic. Yeah. You know, no, it worked. Like the one on Messi, too. That was yeah. – that was – they did that, too. <laughs> yeah. All right, Johnny Dennis, uh, it's, uh, it is wonderful to see you and uh, just really happy to be able to uh, give you a chance to tell your story a little bit. Uh, you're battling this cancer. Uh, we'll we'll show the GoFundMe again before the end of the uh, the broadcast here, and we wish you all the best during your recovery. We'll stay in touch. Uh, hopefully, uh, you could still work out a bit. Are you still working out? Uh, it's difficult. It's very difficult because of the pick line. I'm on blood thinner, so there's a bunch wow. of things that I have to be careful with. But I try to keep myself in shape, at least diet wise. It's it's been clean. So, right. uh, yeah, I'm keep I'm taking care of myself. All right, so you just have to you just have to play FIFA and, and keep in touch with the tactics, I guess. You know, yeah, okay. all I can do watch some footy, support the guys, and that's it. <laughs> all right, man. Well, good luck with everything. All the best to you and your family. I appreciate you both so much. Uh, thank you again, um, and best of luck, and wish you guys the best. Thanks, John. Thank you, Johnny, and, so, and, and thank you for coming on and doing this. And uh, we're here all to, we're we're over here to support you. And as Glenn said, we're going to show the GoFundMe. And we're going to share it on our socials and we're going to share it on the socials of uh, of the sick podcast as well. New York City views. So it means the world. Best, to me. of, lu best of luck. And uh, we hope to see you playing soon. Oh, thank you, guys. Bye. Have a good one, Johnny. Yeah, well, that um, you know, as far as offering perspective anytime, I mean, you've gone through something recently, Roberto, but cancer in a young person, it just doesn't seem right. Do, no, you know what not. I mean? It just doesn't 100%. seem right. A hundred percent. Any disease like that, but especially cancer. No, it's it shouldn't happen. But um, sadly, it does. And uh, thankfully, he's in New York and he is in the top hospital for cancer. 
so um if he's 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 going to be fine i think he's going to be fine after all of this the survival rates as i said are very very high for his type of cancer especially when they catch it early which seems to have happened so um you know we wish him the best of luck and uh we know we're going to see him out on the field soon his original description to me was the size of a cell phone that that the tumor i know he said it was like a second heart but that was his original description the yeah. size of a cell phone I mean, unbelievable. All right, let's put the GoFundMe up one more time, please, uh, Sammy, and uh, let everybody get a chance to see Johnny Dennis Cancer Treatment. Um, you just, you just, you Google that, and it pops up, and then uh, you know, make your donation. So we uh, should be able to share the links for this. We we'll have to find it and yeah. share the links ourselves. So on your social media, my social media, and uh, hopefully, when we share this podcast, we'll we'll have that on there as well. Yep. Okay, Sammy, we'll try to get it to you. Okay, very good. So uh, we'll have our uh, broadcast on Saturday night of uh, New York City FC at St. Louis. Roberto on the Spanish side, myself on the English side on the New York City FC network. Our airtime will be 8.15 Eastern, 8.15 Eastern uh, for the pregame show. And then kickoff, uh, is it is it 40 after the hour now from it now? It seems till... that's 8.40. Yeah, it's going to be 8.40. They've added, what, did, what did they add that extra minute for? What's going on there? I don't know. Maybe the anthem singer takes longer now. I have no idea. <laughs> All right. So kickoff is at 8.40, but tune in at 8.15, and uh, you get the, the pregame thoughts and uh, on the English yeah, you side. Get you get Nick. I get Nick. Yeah, Cushing. you have Nick, and I have Andres Perea. Excellent. Who I fully expect to be in the starting 11, but that's another one to look closely at, too. So we'll find out soon, Roberto. For Roberto Abramowitz, I'm Glenn Crooks, Sammy, our producer on NYCFC Views. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast NYCFC Views on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.